2: In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars, check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're talking about the great state of Minnesota on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online in the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at RotoViz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. I'm back in the podcasting bunker. And Matt, I understand that you now have stable internet connections via the proper methods. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, I'm no longer using my data plan uh to use the internet. Uh actually have uh, a cord that goes from some sort of box outside into my house that provides internet so uh, yes we are fully functional or as functional as we normally are which might not mean we're fully functional (laughs) but we're we're ready to go
2: right we're somewhere in that zone a little bit and as i said to you when we talked before the show, I forget if I use the word crush or slay, but whichever adjective you want to go with, that's what we're going to do here this episode. But you unknowingly, Matt, have stepped your way into a little bit of a quiz here. As we all know, okay. you are now a member of the great state of Minnesota. I want to see how much research you did about this state before you arrived there. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions about Minnesota. Okay. We're going to see how many of these you can get.
1: I should just say, you know, I did no research before moving here. This yeah, has already yeah. been established.
2: Yes, of course. Uh, so Minnesota has three nicknames. Can you give me one of the nicknames? Uh, I don't know, like the Land of a Thousand Lakes? Eh, Land of 10,000 10, Lakes. 10,000 Lakes, yeah. All right, do, can, you, can you take a guess as to any of the others? No. All right, you got the Gopher State and oh, okay, also right. the North Star State, which is interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, Um,
1: those are are both understandable and good.
2: Yep. There's a state beverage. Care to take a guess what the state beverage is?
1: No, I do not care to take a guess. Why don't you tell me? (laughs) It's milk. Milk. Interesting. Okay. All right. The state bird. Oh, uh, I did know this, but I forgot it already. I, I don't know. Tell me.
2: The common loon.
1: Okay, I never would have remembered that.
2: Um, what about the butterfly?
1: Uh, the monarch?
2: Yes, yes. That's the, the only <laughs> butterfly I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. How about the state fruit?
1: The state fruit? Uh, no idea. <laughs> it's the Honeycrisp apple. Wow. Okay. All right. Honeycrisp apple. Apple. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. The motto. Um. I feel like you could have picked that up somewhere. On like a license plate at the DMV, maybe. Welcome to Minnesota. <laughs> no, it's something in French that I'm not even going to try to say, which is for Star of the North. All right. I'm only going to ask you a handful of more questions here. The state sport. Hockey. Yes. Ice hockey. Yeah. And um, let me find one more. Okay. Um, i'm just going to read this here many other symbols have been proposed for addition to the list of official state symbols but were never officially adopted since 1971 the white-tailed deer has been proposed as the state mammal eight times other creatures proposed as representations of the state have included the northern leopard frog the eastern timber wolf and the 13-lined ground squirrel in the blandings turtle uh i've never heard of a 13 lined ground squirrel wow this thing looks interesting all right, you have an assignment to take away from this. I want you to keep your eyes peeled whenever you're outside and see if you see this thirteen-lined ground squirrel. You should actually look this up. It's pretty. It's a pretty interesting looking animal. So Dave, it's got
1: like I, I don't do the normal assignments that I'm supposed <laughs>
2: to do for this podcast. All right, but you go no. Look up this squirrel right now, and it's an interesting. This doesn't even like. I have never seen a squirrel that looks anything like this. This looks more much more like a chipmunk. This is this is wild. All right. Anyway, though. I think that we are finished with the Minnesota quiz. Uh, you do know the capital of Minnesota, I'm assuming.
1: Uh, St. Paul. I don't know. Um, is, it, is it Minneapolis? I really don't know. No, I th-
2: I believe it is St. Paul. I didn't actually look that up, but let me just make let me just make sure. Uh, you know that there, there's there's some lifelong Minnesotans listening to this that are not pleased with you not knowing that. Minnesota, I think it's, it's fine like, capital. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is St. Paul. You think it's fine? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I St. Paul was my first guess, but then you didn't say anything, so I was like, um, Minneapolis. I mean, I don't know, I thought it was St. Paul, but yeah, no, it is look. I mean, you know, I lived in Iowa for four years, uh, I knew very little about Iowa. It's not as if there were native Iowans who were upset with me because I didn't pick up some of these things while I was there.
2: Well, you know, maybe Minnesota is a different place, we'll have to see how you do how you assimilate Uh, into the culture far less friendly than iowa maybe that's the case (laughs) i actually will say from all of the things that i've heard the, the second choice state that i have outside of living in new hampshire actually is minnesota from everything i've heard just about the way that people are from like you know the climate of the state itself it all matches um what i like but that brings us into today's ffpc stat attack which is Kirk Cousins has actually scored fewer points per game while facing passing defenses ranked 24 to 32 than he has facing defenses ranked 23 or better against the pass. That's notable given that the Vikings' schedule seems favorable as the NFC North has been pretty porous uh, to the pass last season, especially. And another interesting thing when playing without Stefan Diggs, one and a half points less per game. Then, um actually playing without digs so just a couple of interesting things there on kirk cousins we're going to get some opinions from matt but i want to remind you that the ffpc is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry including dynasty best ball and of course the world famous ffpc main event to learn more or to join a league head to myffpc.com. that's my c.com. and of course we've got a handful of tools at road is designed specifically for FFPC domination. So as a newfound Vikings fan, Matt, do you have any interest in using Kirk Cousins as your quarterback this season? He has gone for more than 30 points in 18% of games over the last three seasons. Um, no, as a uh,
1: a new Vikings fan, I don't want Kirk Cousins because I don't want it to uh, to impact the way in which I root for my new team. So, um, no, but I mean, in in the three year thing, I mean, I don't think that matters too much because, um, you know, that first year, 2017, he was in Washington. I don't think it's super relevant to anything with his situation. Now, uh, Kirk cousins, I think is actually a very good real life quarterback. Um, you know, based on what he did in his three years in Washington as the locked in starter, his two years in Minnesota, I think, have been fairly underappreciated. Um, but I'm expecting that Gary Kubiak offense to lean quite a bit on the running game. And uh, I think ultimately he's just not going to have the opportunities to uh, to accumulate a lot of points. And um, he's not, you know, a prolific runner by any means. So it's not as if you're thinking of him as someone who can really give, uh, give you a boost with his legs. So I'm just, I don't know, I mean, staying away from him almost entirely, like... He's not, he's not the type of quarterback I want, um, because obviously he's not going in the top, was it like top 20 or something like that? Uh, and if you're taking yep. someone outside of the top 20, I can think of other players. I am much more tempted by.
2: Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is too, you talk about, uh, contributing with his legs. Um, so as like during his time as the starter in Washington, his first relevant season, really, which was 2015 or, you know, the first season where he had a 16 game stretch where he was actively playing. He actually produced five rushing touchdowns, and then 2016, four rushing touchdowns, 2017, four rushing touchdowns. So it's interesting that he was getting this like weird boost that you just wouldn't expect from a player like him at the start of his career. But, um, you know. I don't think you can be banking on anything like that. And even in those seasons, he was under like 60 yards. Um, The most he's recorded 2017, 179 yards, had 63 last season. But, you know, um, you're not going to be expecting any of the type of touchdown numbers that he was producing in Washington in Minnesota. Um, I think we can pivot now off of the Vikings to a more general type of question. This is something that we haven't talked about in a while. Um, In the episode that we're doing right now, and the second one that will come out this week, I'm kind of bringing back some concepts that we might've talked about a couple of years ago to see if you've had any change in your thinking. Uh, In specific, what I want to know right now is, for structural approaches, if you're in a league with a small roster you know, maybe you're only allowed like one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. Do you think that there are structural approaches and you don't even have to hit upon what they might be? But ways that you can approach those leagues, or do you think that you're just kind of stuck in this weird type of contest because the roster sizes are so small? Um, can you do two things?
1: One, can you yep. talk about some of the structural approaches? Uh, just in case like people kind of aren't actually, sort of aware of what you're talking about, um, yep. and like we could even just pretend I don't know what you're talking about but uh but then two, give a little more definition about what you mean by small roster size, um yeah, like are you thinking like capped at sixteen or even a little bit smaller, although I don't know if they go smaller, but kind of give a little more boundaries, yeah,
2: right, so I'll give the boundaries first, I'm thinking about there are leagues you can play in where it's like fifteen players. Yeah um total and then in that you're only starting like 8 or 9 players yeah. um and why that's important is so a structural approach is one where you kind of head into the draft saying to yourself I've looked at the scoring settings in this league I've looked at the number of players that I can play in different positions and because of that I am going to build my team around a certain position so obviously at RotoViz the thing we're most known for from a structural approach is Zero running back, which is in leagues where you can play a significant number of wide receivers. You're not forced to play a lot of running backs and the scoring is PPR. You can attack that draft by going very heavy at wide receiver, ignoring running backs really until you get past round six so that you set up in your team. In a way that is going to perhaps be optimized for the specific settings of that league or another structural approach might be um, perhaps you're in a league where tight ends get a significant bonus. Mm-hmm. And if you could play a flex and a tight end and for whatever reason, the bonus in that league set things up that a middle of the road tight end was scoring the same as like a, you know, maybe tier two running back you might build around those tight ends um, and set yourself up for success there while also looking at some of the other positions that would be advantageous to build around in your league. So it's it's not so much about just picking off players as the draft comes and finding the players that you like, but going in with a plan about how you're going to allocate your roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: in terms of structure, um, I think – I always enter a draft with the late round quarterback approach, and I would say that's fairly standard within the industry, Um, so much so that if you are in an industry league, um, sometimes it might even make sense to pivot to where you're taking a a quarterback earlier than you normally would, just because a really good quarterback will fall to you. Um, But in general, I'm thinking of late round quarterback as the thing that I'm always locking in. And this isn't so much structural, but kind of like I always tend to wait on tight ends a little bit um, because I just I feel as if I can find value at the position uh, in in some of the later guys, especially this year. Um, I mean, I know there's sort of like this clear tier of like four guys at the top, um, but, you know, I I don't really want to pay up for tight end. And then I think if you wait you're probably going to be able to find some players who end up giving you something that's fairly close uh, if you stream the position or even you know if you just kind of find a guy on waivers who ends up popping a guy who will probably end up being something close to your tight end five or whatever. So I'm looking to wait there. Uh, and then I think that means because I'm willingly punting, essentially, those positions... I don't have to be quite as locked in to a structural approach when it comes to running back or wide receiver. Um, yep. but I do have the willingness, uh, I think to go with wide receivers a little bit early, just knowing yep. that there is so much turnover at the running back position. Um, so I don't know if that really answers the structural approach. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I tend to have something of a modified zero RB.
2: Got it. Well, I think that you hit upon a couple of the things that um, are kind of in the back of my mind when I go into a draft with a small rosters, because I will say that I think that leagues that have very small rosters and only allow you to start a small number of players Make it a little bit harder, actually, for players that really know what they're doing to find an edge because it does bring in and introduce a high level of variance. Whereas if there's more players that you can start, if you're aware of the players that are likely going to beat their ADP and are being undervalued and you get them into those maybe like three flex spots three flex spots that you have in a roster, right, that can make a big difference. Whereas those guys that you know about, you might not have a chance to get in. And a lot of people really are going to be building their team off of ADP, which when you're only having, you know, those nine players, it's hard for you to really introduce those awesome picks that you might make. But one thing to keep in mind is if you're in a league where you can only roster 15 guys, that makes finding those zero running back type of guys a little bit of an easier task as the season moves along, but it also makes it easier to grab a quarterback that you can use on a weekly basis and some of those tight ends that might emerge as the season goes along. So like you said, perhaps you can't really go with a structural approach, but there's things like that that you can keep in your mind when you're building your team. So I would be less inclined to completely punt on running back, but I think that if you can only start the two running backs And you only need to start two, because if, especially if it's a PPR league, that wide, your third wide receiver is going to give you a pretty decent week to week output. You know that there's other running backs you can shuffle into your roster and keep moving guys around because decent running backs, as decent as you can expect to come from, you know, outside of being housed on a 15 team roster. Um, you know, there are going to be some guys you can use there. So you don't need to worry too much about loading up on the position, I don't think. Um, and, And I think kind of like you said, it's hard to actually answer this question. I think that my thought is you really can't do like a complex structural approach. But I think if you keep in mind the fact that in a league like this, you're going to have a large pool of players you can tap into as the season goes along, that might kind of inform your approach so for me I'm probably going to be just trying to really load up on running backs and wide receivers and where I think you can get some value is you're going to have especially if you're playing in a league with people that are less sophisticated they're very quickly going to get through their running backs and their wide receivers perhaps before even before they do they're going to say all right a quarterback counts from one ninth of the points here a tight end counts from one ninth of the points I need to get those guys in. And when they start adding those guys, if you keep going on running back and wide receiver, that's how you can build a really good core at those two positions that are still probably going to be the biggest different makers because in a team or in a league like this, you know, most people are going to have a pretty decent quarterback. Um, you know, teams should be able to have a decent tight end. The leagues with
1: small rosters in which I've had the most success are the ones in which, um, I've gone late court, uh, late round quarterback, late round tight end. Um, I've invested significant draft capital in wide receiver. Um, but I haven't had a ton of wide receivers. So, you mm, know, maybe mm-hmm. like you start two, uh, and then maybe one goes in the flex. So maybe I have like four or five wide receivers and then the rest is just me piling on running backs um you know and i i still feel as if i can find decent quality running backs where i have like one good one uh and then with the just the sheer volume of running backs that i have after that i'm normally able to funnel one in each week who will be good enough and then i mean we just kind of know you can find a quarterback late who gives value and i feel similarly about tight ends uh and so it's just hoping that my wide receivers don't suffer an injury uh, and are strong enough to hold down the position, and then hoping that I'm able to uh, to to piece together the
2: running back position through volume. Yep, completely agree. Um, before we move along, though, I do want to take a minute for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners bet online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures, odds, including win totals, divisions, winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering solution.
0: What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting
1: RotoViz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10 off your next RotoViz subscription. Just use code 2020 RV Radio at checkout. That's right. Go to RotoViz.com click subscribe and enter code 2020 RV radio
0: at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple podcasts. It's really easy, it only takes like 10, 15 seconds.
1: Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback now back to the show.
2: All right, Matt. Um, we actually took a little bit longer than I thought that we would getting through some of those first topics. And I have to say, I put together a pretty extensive show sheet for us this episode. So is, we're looking for brevity. Is this the point in
1: the show where you want me to compliment your show sheet?
2: <laughs> no, this isn't. Okay. This is just where I'm hearkening back to an episode a while ago where you tried to, you know, um, diffuse some of the uh, the, the level of for lack of a better term, goodness of the show sheet that I had put together. So I'm looking for brevity on these answers, okay? Okay. Uh, does Sam Darnold take a step forward, and if he does, who benefits the most? He does not take a step forward. Okay. If he did, who would benefit the most? Actually, let me just come up with it. I'm looking here to see if Jamison Crowder is a player that is worth uh, consideration. Uh, he's worth consideration,
1: and that might even be separate from... Um from Darnold taking a step forward. Uh, I think Crowder's likely to lead the team in targets. And, uh, you know, maybe if he is a little bit lucky uh, and is a little more efficient than I think he will be, then he ends up having, you know, like 900, maybe even a thousand receiving yards uh, on high volume. And that could be worth something. Uh, I mean, he's going really late. So, I mean, he's he's someone to consider. I'm not attracted to players
2: like him because I don't think he has a lot of upside um but he's he's worth considering. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys if he slips far enough and you could like toss him on your team as like your wide receiver 5, wide receiver 6 might not be a bad idea depending on the rest of the way your team is configured. How bad is Philip Rivers going to be? We may be revisiting this, but when I sit there and I project this team out, I just don't see a very good scenario for him.
1: Uh I don't think Philip Rivers is all that good, but um I don't think he's going to be horrendous either. So I'm expecting him to be around like uh, a quarter like low end QB two, which like, that's not great, but it's like, eh, he's not like, he's not going to be benched or anything like that for his play.
2: Yep. Okay, that kind of lines up with what I'm thinking of, which is here is I think that Philip Rivers is still one of those players that has some level of name recognition. People might be thinking he's stepping into a good offensive situation in Indiana, which perhaps he is, but I don't think that this is one of those things that all of a sudden propels him to being like a very relevant quarterback on a weekly basis. No,
1: and the big thing is he offers absolutely nothing as a runner.
2: Yeah, Yep. exactly. Uh, What's the probability that Gardner Minshew is better than Joe Burrow. And I ask you this because while you were gone, I talked with JJ and he's excited about Burrow, not in that he was coming out and saying he thinks Burrow is going to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but just that this is a player that could be exciting week to week, might make for a good streamer. I just think it's interesting because we've seen Gardner Minshew at least be able to operate in the NFL. We have a player with that one season from college. It's hard to know what to expect. If you had to assign some type of probability, What are the odds that Minshew is better than Joe Burrow? I think
1: Burrow might have a higher upside than Minshew. Um, Minshew might have uh, a slightly higher floor just because we've kind of seen him do it before. But right now, like I have them projected for a really similar number of fantasy points. So I would say um, the odds of Minshew actually being better, like by better, do we mean like better in terms of fantasy points scored?
2: I was actually kind of thinking um, in real life, okay, and, but let's just go both.
1: Okay, so uh, and just for this year or like for career? Okay, let me let me just answer the question instead of asking you questions. I'll say this yep. year, I think Minshew has maybe like a 46, 47% chance of outscoring Burrow, but it's yep. pretty close. I would say for their careers, I would give Burrow like a uh, 67 68 percent edge over yep. uh over Minshew
2: yeah and I don't think that feels radical at all that's probably somewhere in the line of what most people would say um I like this one question here I'm gonna say that for next episode but have we talked about some people slightly getting behind the idea of of Chris Thompson in relation to uh you Know his potential usage as a receiver and that somehow packing Leonard Fournette,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, I I talked with Chris Raybon quite a bit about this, and um, you know, like when we're talking about projections or anything like that, um, and he thinks that Chris Thompson will probably uh hinder Leonard Fournette um, a decent amount uh, in the passing game, and I mean, like, sure, I think Chris Thompson will probably get the most targets out of all of the running backs. Um, But, I mean, Chris Thompson, there's the possibility he plays only like six games. You know, like he's not staying healthy the whole season. But I would say conservatively, I'm thinking that Leonard Fournette's targets get cut in half. So maybe he goes,
2: I think, did he have like 100 targets last year? Something like that? He very silently did. And it's like a total that people just don't want to focus on. I think that maybe gets cut in half. Yeah, I um I don't know if I would go that that far like personally because I'm just not expecting Thompson to be available enough, but um I mean, it probably is a fair statement.
1: Let's say that Thompson plays 12 and a half games. Like do you think yep. that's a reasonable projection? Yeah, that that's probably probably reasonable. Okay. And then when he plays, I'm thinking he might have a market share of around like 15% of the targets. And that okay. that feels high, but that's very much in line with what he's done in the past.
2: Yep, you know. So, I, I guess the the takeaway here is that you do think he is going to have somewhat of an impact on Fournette, but maybe not enough that it like just entirely deprecates Fournette's value. Yeah, I mean
1: the, I mean if Fournette loses half of his targets, it seems like that is massive, right? But the thing is, like, he's still getting 50 targets and he's still going to get a huge number of carries because Chris Thompson isn't going to get that many carries, even if he's getting a lot of targets. And I still don't see Rykel Armstead getting a ton of usage. Maybe he gets some, but I just I still think Fournette is going to clear 200 carries fairly easily as long as he's healthy.
2: Yep. Um. I also think it's possible, too, that if Thompson is available and does stay around and stay healthy, it's possible he's just not that good anymore either. Um, But let's let's move along here. My final question uh, for this show, Matt. Thoughts on what Washington should go with for the new name change? Uh, I like the Red Tails. Um,
1: And I also and for people who don't know, like the the Red Tails, uh, it's for the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, who were, um, I believe they were the first African-American fighter pilots, uh, and they fought in world war II and, uh, they were just like legendary. Um, so, uh, I think that would kind of be a, a cool, uh, a cool name. I've also heard, uh, potential talk of something like, uh, is it like the wind whisperers, uh, who, oh, I haven't heard that who were <laughs> like the, the native American, uh, code talkers uh, in world war two, which like, I think that would be awesome. Uh, I don't know if they can actually use that name. Um, but, uh, I think it would be really cool because it would, it would keep, um, you know, like the native American aspect, but like it would totally change it, um, to where it was something that I think would actually be really cool. Um, so I, I don't know, but if, if, maybe there's just the desire to stay away from like the native American, you know, native American name eight. altogether. But I, I mean, like the wind whisperer thing, I think would be cool because like, it's, it's clearly a, a symbol of honoring. Uh, and I think it would potentially help to rewrite the history of the franchise and, and even like to, to cast the name of the previous name in a, a different light that it was something that was moving towards this direction.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the the thought process that I've had too. It would be really cool if there was a very good way to shift the direction of the name, but still keep that Native American type of spirit behind it and find some way to honor it. I also really like the color scheme that they have too, and I think it would be cool if they found some way to kind of carry that forward. Um, but you know, of course, I think. Um, Nonetheless, it's just exciting to see what they will come up with. So hopefully it's something cool. Um, favorite team nickname in the NFL. So I lied because this question kind of goes in with that one. Do you have a favorite team nickname of the teams in the NFL?
1: Okay, well, can I, like nickname, do you mean actual name? Actual name, okay. yeah.
2: So like the Dallas Cowboys with the Cowboys being
1: the uh, Yeah, I don't, re- I don't really have one. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really think about like uh, NFL teams in that way.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, fair enough. And I actually forgot to think about what mine would be, but I will just say I'm I'm a person that just likes a good old animal nickname thrown on there. So throw on bears, tigers, lions, anything like that. I mean, I guess happy. I I, will I do say, find interesting is yep, go ahead.
1: Okay, sorry to interrupt. I will say I think the Packers is actually kind of decent because it's like totally local to that yep. area. You know, or like the Steelers is cool because it is totally local. Right. Um, so I, I do like those those names where it feels like it's something that belongs to the city and comes from the city versus something like, I don't know, this isn't going to be good. But like the Lions, like I don't I don't like think of Detroit and think of Lions, you know. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, the other thing I find interesting is how many birds. There are for team names in the NFL. Yeah. 32 teams and i think 6 of them are birds. Yeah.
1: I mean, i enough. liked thinking of the XFL. I liked the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks.
2: Not that those were birds. Yeah, that's cool. But you know, like yep. it feels it feels <laughs> bird like. Yes. All right. Um well, I'm glad that we've hit upon those. It feels good to have me back in the bunker. Uh, my dog is barking. You probably can't hear it. My daughter was running around going nuts for a while. I don't think that you can hear it or the listeners can hear it. You have reliable internet. I think we're back.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I could definitely hear that stuff in the background, which means we're really back. That's how you know we're in form. Okay. <laughs>
2: okay. But Henry the cat did not come and try to um, like attack my microphone or anything like that so maybe we're not fully back yet okay um, give, it, give us time yes on that note that does it for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave ff and at matt f the oracle thanks to bet online and the ffpc for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe us.